Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1985 to look at Walt Disney's action, adventure, animation, fantasy movie The Black Cauldron. But before I take you back to 1985, just give you a quick shout out to Kate Pollock. She posted this movie on the Facebook page about a week ago. And um, I was actually trying to think of a movie to do for the show. Um, just done a couple of guest episodes and I thought, what's going to be the next movie? So she posted it on the page for Oh, The Black Cauldron. I almost forgot about that film. And this is the reason why I'm doing this is because this film is almost forgotten about. Um, so I was going to give it a little bit of love, give it a bit of shout out. So thank you, Kate. Thanks for posting it. And like I say, a little shout out to you there. So I'll put it down as a listener request. So... Let's go back to 85, uh, let's go and have a look for that cauldron, let's uh, play you guys a trailer and I will see you soon. Legend has it, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was trapped forever in the form of a great black cauldron. That black-hearted devil. Walt Disney Pictures presents The Black Cauldron. Escape into a world of darkness. Are you coming? Me? Go in there? Oh, no, no, no. It's a terrible place. A world of excitement. <sighs> a world of dreams. And through the magic of 70mm photography and 6-track Dolby sound, you will be transported to a fantasy event for the entire family. Look! Look, sire! It's working! Soon, the Black Cauldron will be mine. In the great tradition of Disney animated classics, now comes the newest Disney spectacle of them all, The Black Cauldron. Now, welcome back, guys. So, the synopsis for this movie, as stated on IMDb, is a young boy and a bunch of misfit friends embark on a quest to find a dark magic item of ultimate power before a diabolical tyrant can find it. It's a PG, it's got an 80 minute runtime, and it's classed as an animation action adventure movie. It was directed by Ted Berman and Richard Rich, and they've both been involved in other movies, uh, other Disney movies such as The Fox and the Hound, The Rescuers, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and Winnie the Pooh. They also helped write the screen, screenplay and helped uh, develop the story with this as well, so they're quite busy with this movie. And the cast for this movie, or the voice actors, is Grant Bardsley as Taran. Uh, he's our hero. He's our lead hero of this film. Uh, Susan Sheridan as Elwyn. Freddie Jones as Dalbin. Uh, Nigel Hawthorne as Fleder. And you've got John Hurt in this movie. You know, the legendary John Hurt. He plays the Horn King. And he's very familiar with um, animated uh, voiceovers, actually, because he was in... Um, at this time it did a very dark, there's a lot of dark films around about this time, there was uh, Watership Down, I mean I remember watching that when I was a kid, uh, you know, here you go RJ, watch this, you know, and you know, all these rabbits like 
getting killed and stuff like that. It's a hell of a dark film. Might be another film I need to cover actually for bite size. Um, he also did another film called The Plague Dogs. Plague Dogs, you know, like I say, some horrific animations back then. And he was also in uh, Lord of the Rings. He played Aragon. Uh, he did the voiceover to that. So, yeah, he's a busy guy. And obviously, as uh, you horror fans know, any horror fans listen to this, he was in Alien. He plays the character Kane, who has that ill-fated trip on the Nostromo. And also to mention this is, um, as I mentioned just a minute ago, you've got Freddie Jones in this movie. He did a lot of Hammer Horror films. And he was also in uh, Krull as well. So he's... Um, Again, he just some actors have just got the right type of voice for um, voiceovers, such as you know John Hurt and that. So, um, so yeah, got a great cast to this movie. So let's talk about the production, how it's got put together. So it's based on two fantasy novels by a American author called Lloyd Alexander, and those novels are called The Chronicles of Prydain. And I think one of the novels is called The Black Cauldron, and you can say probably say it's based on the same or it's in the same league as the Lord of the Rings or the the Arthur mythology especially where you've got the like a I don't want to say basic plot but I guess it is it's where you've got the you've got the bad guy he wants something that's ultimately powerful that's going to help him dominate the world so I guess you've got that same with um, Saruman in Lord of the Rings, he, you know, he ultimately wants the Ring of Power. It's the same with the Horn King here, he wants a cauldron so he can dominate the world and make him more powerful. Um, like I say, you've got the Arthur myth with the sword, where you've got um, Taran who finds a sword to help uh, take on the evil and ultimately, you know, save the day with that. And you also, it, it kind of reminds when I watched this the other night, um, kind of reminds me of the same like Star Wars plot as well, you got Darth Vader, you got Luke Skywalker, you got Han Solo, you got the same sort of characters here. Um, so yeah, so it is basically a story of good versus evil told in Welsh mythology and it, it's set in the bed medieval times and you know it's, it's a good film, I enjoyed it and even um, Lloyd Alexander, the author of those two books, he watched this film and he said he enjoyed it. He said it's a lot different to his books because he thinks his books had a lot more depth, which they're obviously probably going to be because they're two novels. Um, but he actually said he enjoyed it. It's, you know, 80 minutes of fun told in the Disney movie, so he commended it. But although the author commended the film, Disney didn't. A film that they created um, themselves, it, um, it's quite an unusual Disney film, um, especially an animation movie, because uh, when it came out, it didn't do very well with the box office. I think it took about $21 million. Um, the film is different to the other animations. It doesn't have any um, songs in it. Um, it doesn't actually have any opening credits, which is funny. When I watched this the other night, it, there's no credits to say who's doing the voice acting in this film. It just says, it just comes up the Black Cauldron and boom, it just gets on with it. And um, I'll say it's, it's a dark movie. It's got some horror elements to it, but I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, because it's just, you know, it's got a PG rating. I don't think there's anything in this film that's really going to harm you as a kid. It's just some fantasy violence. I think there's some bits that were also cut out, I think there's about 12 minutes of footage which, which was cut out and I think a lot of that is the end of the film when you've got the um, cauldron born that come out which is, <laughs> a, 
as a horror fan, I think that's a great scene. And even as a kid, you know, watching that, I didn't think that was too bad. Again, it's just that horror fantasy. It's your intro into horror as a kid. I didn't think that was a problem at all. Um, but yes, they did cut a lot out. They cut 12 minutes out altogether. I think there's a final fight scene where one of the henchmen has a fight with a cauldron born and he gets um, he gets torn up and, <laughs> and then he sort of melts or something like that and then he turns into a cauldron born himself. And I think the problem they had with this film back in the day being Disney is I think a lot of kids went to go and watch this film at the cinema. They sort of did a test screening of it and I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, a nice um, musical fantasy movie or yeah okay fantasy film as such uh, they didn't get it and <laughs> I think people were running out surprised with their kids saying oh you know what, what is this film um, but you know when I watch it now I think you know it, it, it deserves a lot more love than it gets because it's a good story it's a fantasy story it's something I was interested in because when I was growing up I loved all these films such as Kroll and Willow um, so I was all for the fantasy movie and so when I was growing up uh, I recognised that this film went under the radar because they were showing Peter Pan, Snow White you know the Fox and the Hound all these films were getting recognition and there was a f TV show about Disney which they used to show at Christmas and they used to show clips of films and they were showing all the, like I just said, Peter Pan, Snow White. And they showed a clip of this, The Black Cauldron. I remember as a kid, I said to my parents, I said, well, what's this film? I come, I've never seen this. And it wasn't until um, 1998 until they actually released this on VHS, which I probably watched it and I, I saw it. And you can hear it in my voice. I, I thought, this is a good film. How come I haven't seen this film before? So... Hence the reason why I'm doing this show is because I'm giving this a shout out, giving it some love that it deserves. And I think it's... I, I, in fact, I don't even know if this film's getting recognition now, to be honest with you. I don't know if people... I, I, I can't even say it's a cult movie. <laughs> um, but well, if you want to watch a good fantasy movie, um, this is certainly one to check out. And I'll put this in the league of... <clears throat> I could just mention Kroll, um, Willow... Princess Bride, Dark Crystal, uh, the 1978 Ralph Basky's uh, Lord of the Rings. And talk about Ralph Basky, he was actually going to take this movie on and I think he probably would have been the better person to do it rather than Disney, I think, because um, if you look at his films, um, I, re I recently watched a film called Fire and Ice, uh, which had the rotoscope animation in it and I think that's an awesome way of doing animation, I think it's great. And I think Basky probably would have done, um, I don't want to say better job, because I think what Disney have done with it is good. It's just, they just couldn't get that sort of 12 minutes of footage out because it was a Disney film. And I think that's probably what didn't do it any favours. But if it was Basky that did it, people probably would have gone, well, it's Ralph Basky. So I know that this is going to be like a horror type um, animation movie, if that makes sense. So the audience probably would have... Uh, bought into that a little bit better so I think that it's just it's a combination of what people are familiar with I suppose it's a bit like um, I suppose the only way I can explain it now just for an example it'd be a bit like Nickelodeon 
the guys that do all the sort of you know kids stuff uh, they're taking on the teenage mutant ninja so it'd be a bit like them saying we're now making horror movies <laughs> so you see the nickelodeon sign at the beginning and you, people go oh it's nickelodeon it must be a nice friendly cartoon all of a sudden you get a horror movies so it's probably that thing that was going on back then that's anyway possibly explain it so there you go um but let's talk a little bit more before I do the bite size review. Uh, you've got music here uh, by Elmer Bernstein, and he did the music to Ghostbusters. So if you if you listen to the soundtrack to this, you might hear the familiar tones there from Ghostbusters. He also did The Great Escape back in the day as well. And it's also uh, the first Disney film to feature CGI, computer generated imagery, and. That scene there is a scene in here where there's um, when you meet the princess and she's got like an orb or like a light orb and that is actually CGI, it's not animation, so that's quite clever. And Tim Burton worked on this film as a visual artist, so before he went into the directing he was a visual artist working on this film. And going back to the novels or the general aesthetic of this movie and the story and everything actually inspired or legend says it this is like a legend uh, that Japan really liked this film the Japanese audience liked it and they reckon that it inspired the computer game The Legend of Zelda I'm not familiar with that game I've heard of it but um, I think it's obviously you know based on the same sort of plot so so there you go guys there's a little bit of trivia there's a production that's how this film got put together um, and as I said, it just I think it just deserves a little bit more love than it gets, but there you go. So, um, let's do a bite-sized review of this movie. Let's talk about the plot and the characters and all what goes on in this movie. So the film starts with a title sequence, The Black Cauldron, and it's like really dark and mythical, and like I said earlier, you don't get any title credits or anything like that. And it basically gives you a backstory here of a king, an evil king that gets banished to this cauldron and he gets buried with it. And legend says that whoever finds the cauldron will ultimately um, be all powerful and be able to take over the world. So there you go, they're giving you a basic plot of this story here. And then it goes to the land of Prydane and you introduce to our lead um, hero in this movie which is Taran. And here's a young pig keeper who works on a swine farm with his uncle Dalaban who is uh, voiced by Freddie, Freddie Jones. And what you've got here basically is they, they have a pig on the farm which can sort of see into the future and stuff like that. And you've got the pig called Henwen. And the uncle tells Taran that Henwen is very powerful. And if Henwen puts um, his nose into water, into water, a bowl of water, he'd be able to sort of see into the future. And in this case, this happens and he finds a horned king in the black cauldron. And the Horn King wants Henwen to help him find the Black Cauldron. So the uncle sends Taran away with Henwen to safety. You're then introduced to the Horn King himself at his castle. It's very gothic, it's very mystical. He's got his henchmen and he's got his little um, servant character who's a goblin. He's very, oh yes master, oh yes master and all this sort of stuff and he basically says to him, you know, I need to find Henwin, need to find this pig, go find it for me. And he sends out these dragons to go and uh, hunt him down. And it goes back to Taran and Taran is a 
He's a daydreamer. He's dreaming about becoming a knight one day and he takes his eyes off from Henwen and then these dragons come down and Henwen gets captured and he gets taken back to the castle. And generally the movie runs at a pace it doesn't really hang about. It really gets you to that castle quite quick with Taran because Taran, he also meets another character along the way called Gurgi and I think he's a dog so he's kind of like the sort of comic relief and Gurgi wants to follow Taran on this quest which he does so Taran gets to the castle he sneaks inside he tries to rescue Henwen but then he gets captured and he gets thrown into the dungeon and then this is where you meet a fellow captive which is a princess P princess Elwyn I think that's her name I can't <laughs> sorry guys can't pronounce names here she helps him uh, free Taran from the uh, dungeon they escape into some catacombs beneath the castle and this is where you get the um, light orb which I mentioned earlier which is actually CGI so that helps them see in the light it's quite a clever scene and beneath the castle in the catacombs they come across like an ancient king's burial and this is where Taran finds the sword of the king and the sword has magical powers which will allow him to defeat the horn king and along the way they also come across a um, prisoner which is becomes like the third character and he is the middle-aged comical Flader Flam and they escape and they reunite with Gurgi and the Horn King finds out that Taran has now escaped with the princess and he orders his little goblin serpent and and his castle henchmen to go track them down and recapture them then going back to our heroes, they've now come across a underground kingdom of the fair folk who are basically fairies and they know the whereabouts of the cauldron and Terence tells them about the cauldron and the dangers and he says that I need to go and destroy it. So the fair folk um, decide to help Taran, they lead him to the cauldron and when they get there they come across three witches and they agree to trade the cauldron for Taran's magical sword which he agrees to do and they say that the only way you can destroy the cauldron is if someone jumps into the cauldron at their own free will. But before Taran can do anything about this he has been followed by the Horn King's henchmen. They followed him to the, the marshes where the cauldron is and they get captured and they get taken back to the castle along with the cauldron. And this is where you now get the Horn King who resurrects his army of the Cauldron Born, which is a great scene, it really is. It's really it's really dark, it's really mythical, it's atmospheric, there's like green smoke everywhere, you've got these skeleton army coming out of the cauldron. It really is like a sort of pinnacle point of the movie. And so with the Horn King and his army of the dead ready to dominate the world, you've now got Taran who decides to cast himself into the cauldron to save everybody, but uh, Gurgri stops him and jumps into it himself. You then got the undead army, they start to collapse, they start to disappear. And you now got the Horn King who is now furious and he takes on Taran. They both have a fight next to the cauldron and Taran manages to push the Horn King into the cauldron and it's basically got a scene here where he blows up and he disintegrates and he falls into the cauldron so Taran's ultimately stopped him but then this is where you get the return of the three witches who have turned up now to recover the cauldron and this is where you get like a friendship and honor moment here's where Taran gets the option now to be able to trade the cauldron with the witches for his friend Gurgri's life and he re realizes now that Gurgri is a true friend and he accepts the exchange, Gurgri gets returned, our heroes 
are saved. They've got rid of the Horn King. That's pretty much how the film ends now. It really gets our, it's really our heroes, you know, riding off into the sunset. And then you get Henwen, who puts his nose into some water and he kind of like sees the fate of this friendship. And it all works out pretty good for them in the end. So there you go. That is the, the Cold and the Horn King defeated and our heroes have uh, saved the day. And that's pretty much the end of the movie, really. That's how it comes to an end. And then you get the closing credits to the movie. So that is it. That is a Black Cauldron. Like I said, it, um, it's not a very long movie. It's only, depending on which version you, you watch, it's only on for about 70 minutes or 80 minutes or so. So uh, it doesn't hang about. It, um, it gets to point A to B pretty quick there, but it's a fun movie. It's um, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's almost like a uh, a kids horror movie in some ways. But um, yeah, it's a good story. And as I said at the beginning of the show, guys, it's probably one of the most underrated Disney movies out there. So um, go check it out. Go give it some love. Um, if you're into fantasy movies and all that, I'm sure you enjoy it. And um, I don't usually say this because I'm. I'm not usually big on remakes, but I think this could probably do with a remake in in a way of a, a live-action remake with real people and stuff like that. I think the story's that good um, that it certainly deserves that, so I, I could see that. So hopefully someone might take that on one day. So there you go. We're going to wait and see. after wait and find out. So there you go, guys. That's The Black Cauldron. Hope you enjoyed it. I will be back soon for another episode of Bite Size Cinema and I'm going to be covering The Lost Boys with Dan Bone. Dan's coming back to join me for that. We are having a whole ton of fun covering these movies so um, I couldn't think of anybody better to talk about that movie with Dan. So uh, looking forward to that one. That one will be dropping soon. And the other episode I'm going to be doing is like a solo episode. I've decided to do um, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the classic, cult classic movie, I think that's an important one to talk about because um, I mentioned it before on one of the episodes, I think that's a blueprint to cinema. The story there is used a lot with other movies, so I'll talk about that one. And uh, I'll talk about what's happening in the future as well. Got um, So the listener for this show, Kate Pollock, is going to be joining me and Dan for um, going to have a triple bite-sized episode of The Princess Bride, so I'm looking forward to doing that. It's the first time I've had three people on the show, or two other people on the show, including myself, so looking forward to that. So yeah, busy, 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 loads of stuff going on, but that's what it's all about. We are having a podcast party, that's how I see it, all these guests on the show and stuff like that, it's great, it's great, everybody on board, so look out for that, guys. So um, as a little bit of admin, I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast um, Network, so please go and check out all the other shows there. And um, you can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes, Spotify, and several other players on the internet. If you put in Bite Size Cinema Legion into Google, you should be able to find the show. And I've also got a Facebook page, so post anything on there, any films you want me to have a look at, um, yeah, put them on there, see if I can try and do them for you. So like I say, I'm all about shouting out popular movies and the underdog as well so uh, yeah so put them on there i'll check them out for you so there you go guys um, hope you enjoyed the show and as I always say keep it bite-sized keep it safe and i'll see you soon
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.